Hello, listeners of the Art Versations podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Art Versations, or if this is your first tune in. Welcome. Come on in. Make yourself comfy. The voice you are currently hearing is Brie, like the cheese. I'll be your host for the next hour. I hope that your days have been filled with a wagon-sized pile of creative discoveries. I am discovering more and more about the importance of critically discussing the pieces of art that I consume. An exemplary artist who succeeds in this task, in my opinion, is my next guest, Jillian Robinson. Jillian is a Toronto-based actor, singer, and an associate producer for the online hub of theater enthusiasts, Cup of Hemlock Theatre. Go check out all their content. You might even see an episode that I was a guest on. Jillian and I talk about her role on Cup of Hemlock, her current project playing Buttons, which you can get tickets for, link in the description, and we even get into her partial photographic memory. So cool. She's a well-rounded ball of energy listener, and I was so grateful to have her time. Let's hear from Jillian Robinson. If it's go time, baby, I can like, bam, let's activate this. Um, like a super photographic power. memory. A literal magician. Basically. <laughs> like, I can remember. Hi, Jill. Hi, Bree. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm so excited that we get to do this little exchange. I Me was a too. guest on Cup of Hemlock, and now you're in my home, and we're going to do a little conversations. I love it. I'm so we, grateful. We should just do this every once in a while. Yeah. Because. <laughs> Truly, though. It's, uh, it's amazing. See where the state of art is? Yeah. Pivoting and pirouetting, I think I yes. said in the Cup of Hemlock episode. Yeah. We can totally have some puns come in today. Oh, that's going to be happening a lot. Apologies in advance. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for being here and making your way uh, downtown. Um, <laughs> because uh, I always feel like it's better to be in person and, and like engage with each other. Yeah. Um, but I know that currently there's a lot of up and downs about safety and health. So mm. I'm glad that you're doing well and that yes. we're both here Likewise. and can be together. What's a, what's a piece of art that's inspiring you right now? Piece of art that's inspiring me. I, I think I have like a couple. Sure. That's okay. Absolutely. I, no spoilers, but I just caught up with The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Um, and I sobbed almost every episode this season. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty par for the course for, for most of those episodes, but... Um, Elizabeth Moss directed some of the episodes this series. Mm. Honestly, some of some choices didn't hit the mark fully for for me under her guise. But this last episode, there was a lot of wonderful imagery and like set dressing dramaturgy that was mm. like packed a season finale punch cool. pretty much. I mean, you know, not to kind of start us off on a Debbie Downer, but like the world we live in right now is not okay and that Mm. is putting it lightly um and I just find this show is so important to watch as an artist and also just as a human being under the scope and under the eyes of political things happening right now um not only at home but across borders across seas kind of reminds me of why I do what I do and Kind of one of my pillars as an artist is um, I love political theater. Like, I think it's so mm. important. Um, yeah. And I'm certainly not someone who always wants to be doing it or viewing it or watching it. But I think the arts have such an important part of showing certain sides of issues that uh, society doesn't necessarily let us have a look into mm. or feel into. Yeah. Because in my opinion, society kind of does the opposite of what the arts do. It kind of... It's a go, 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 especially like Western North American society. It's a go, 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 squash your emotions and just get the job done. Whereas the art is like, hello, welcome to a space where you can crack open and be vulnerable and see different viewpoints, um, practice viewpoints. If we are talking literal uh, theater. Tina Landau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Great. And so I think that the show, it just is, it's constantly on the fence of amazing, astonishing art. Mm. I think some of the actors in that show are phenomenal emoters. And, but then also, you know, it's, it's fiction, but a lot of the stuff that happens is pretty, pretty close, close to home. So, mm. yeah, so that show to me uh, over the last couple of weeks, especially as I just kind of wrapped watching this, the season, it's just kind of like a wake up call. It's like a check in mm. of, me as the artist and also as a person living in a political society, whether I like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I've been waiting until, until it's all ready to be watched. Yeah. But you just said so much there, like there is such a, uh, an importance to like telling stories mm-hmm. like that, because in my opinion, it, it is like a preparation or a discussion around like where we're going. Yeah. And as females or as, you know, like just people who are carriers of life, like yep. that's also something, you know, in the conversation. Absolutely. And having those emotions and not being afraid to talk yep. about them. Yeah. I guess to, to pick up, yeah, carriers of life and female, um, another kind of piece of art that's going to support the piece of art that I was going to mention. <laughs> Yes. Um, there's a, there's a whole little tie here. I love it. Um, House of Dragon. I've also I've also been oh. watching too. Um, huge and fan. Huge fan. Again, I, I would love to be in a period drama or uh, like a fantasy thing. Like mm. being can I can I swear on here? Yeah. Being a badass. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> battle mama bear. Mm. That is the energy. I definitely would feel so grateful to be able to exude on a screen or a stage in in the future. Um, And so, you know, my adrenaline just spikes watching that show and it's so great. Um, uh, But then, so the reason why I bring that up kind of as like this, this linking bridge, um, I've been listening to a lot of classical, but like epic ambient music. Mm. So I guess something that you might hear in like battlefields of like a Game of Thrones esque right. show or movie, yeah. or even just as underlying score in like a Handmaid's Tale or something. That's stuff that's like heavily infused with violins and cellos, mm. cinematic, yeah. yeah. Or and if if there's, I'm also a huge EDM fan too. So mm. if there's like that drop or that like epic release into something bigger. Um, it's rocket. Yeah, yeah I, it's just like music like that. I yeah. remember when I was in school, I would write essays to that type of music, or even like EDM. Um, yeah. And now it's like you know going for a run with that type of music, or even just if I'm feeling I need to be inspired, but maybe not you know move my body or like practice text or whatever. Even just listening to that type of music, kind yeah. of mentally gets me in a creative space that that is like enough for some days totally um it's like a flow or like a like you just dive in with the music kind of yeah Yeah. or if I'm just even days when I'm feeling kind of like catatonic or like a no bones day but I'm like the perfectionist in the back of my head is like you're not doing any work what's wrong with you when the you know calm relaxer in me is like well you need to chill but you can do things that are kind of like extensions of practicing art, but not Absolutely. going to fully exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so popping on epic battle ambient music, sometimes that's the trick. Yeah. So cool. I love that you're yeah. uh, a lover of fantasy and, um, mm-hmm. and creating like worlds outside of our own. I think that is a really needed escape yes. for audiences. Absolutely. Especially with so much dread and um, political disaster at the moment. Mm -hmm. And we won't get too political, but I think that's really interesting as well that it's a part of your practice Mm -hmm. and like something that you keep in mind as you're making art. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just so important. Like as a person, I'm always, I always have the kindness is key uh, sort of through line through whatever I do. And it's hard. It's hard as shit to be kind some Mm -hmm. days. Trust me. Like... It is not easy. And it's it seems like such an easy concept to be like, oh, kindness is key. Okay, great. But no, things happen. People pivot. Situations throw wrenches in day-to-day. Yeah. But if there's just even a tiny spark of kindness backed behind any sort of interaction or project or process, 
then like communication will be easier. Success will be sprinkled throughout the whole process. It's like this wonderful positive Mm. domino effect. And uh, it's just a part of my uh, self-care. Well, and, and I've been told by friends and family and colleagues of like, wow, you're such a shiny person to have in a room Mm. and um you really do like lift up up a team and and I think it's making sure that me as a person like I am again self-care I am aligned I am as detoxified as I can be Mm. coming into a space yeah which again isn't easy and some days will be quote-unquote off days but yeah, I think it's just coming out, especially in the arts. Like we work in such a team building oriented setting. Yes. Not every team player is going to be at their best every day. But if you can, if you feel the energy and you can be, then I'm just like, yeah, well, then that's kind of your purpose, right? To kind of be that that light, that aura in the space. Mm-hmm. But again, fitness is very important to me. Staying connected with my family is very important to me. Um, taking self-care moments, you know, scrolling on Pinterest to wind down off a day. Like mm-hmm. just kind of dotting all my I's, crossing my T's, so that it's the classic thing of, like, if you can't love yourself, how yes. the hell are you going to love someone else, right? Yeah, and it's, like, totally. so... Um, and I feel like I've always kind of been like that, but being older and and more things are thrown on your plate of, fin- like, taking over financial responsibilities, um, kind of cementing career opportunities or what have you, things are firing your way and I'm, I'm very glad I have this sort of system with myself of okay what do we need today to make Jill function right and then let's click into that and then hopefully that just can be infused in a space when it needs to be infused so sometimes totally getting me out of bed is like an epic Game of Thrones-esque battle cry. And I'm like, yes! Um, You are Jon Snow in the Battle of the Bastards. I want to go back. (laughs) That was um, like an amazing through line. I can tell you're a host of a series. Um, But I wanted to just go back to what you said about um, taking care of the internal to Mm -hmm. be able to help the external space. That's something I've also like investigated in my life. And I'm, it's definitely not um, perfectly molded at the moment, but like, Just recognizing that, like, if I can figure out how to align me and my emotions and the way that I react and my place in the world, it is more helpful to be able to access others and communicate with others and read a room and know when I'm not needed and know when I am. And, like, I I just want to echo, like, how incredible that work is. And I think Mm -hmm. it's um, something that some people... Um, are afraid of because it's so personal and it takes messiness and it takes like sometimes it's not going to work that day you know absolutely and and I think I mean me personally to a fault I'm like a raging empath Mm. but I think like in the arts all of us are like a little bit empathetic you have to have a a level of sympathy yeah for sure yeah and and I I love what you said too about kind of knowing your space in the room because that's something that I, uh, I guess I wouldn't say struggle with, but I'm such a giver, a mama bear mentality. And I've had to learn in life experiences and in the art of when to step away to protect self and also to honor the space around. But I can be very affected like in a room, if there is negativity, uh, I gravitate to being the mediator, which sometimes is okay and needed. But other times, especially, you know, depending on what my role, artistic role is in that space, that's not my place either. Um, And I, it's only really been over the last couple of years, I've had to really kind of train myself to letting stuff just roll off your back and don't involve yourself. Or if you do feel yourself triggered, either express it and the room more often than not will hold space for you Mm -hmm. that actually happened to me coming back into a process right after the pandemic I had massive imposter syndrome Mm. still kind of personally wading through that but things are getting better but I had like a breakdown in the room and I just word vomited what I was feeling and how I realized this isn't silly that I'm I'm experiencing this but it's kind of unnecessary to the process and and I just kind of word vomited but then everyone in the space like honored what was happening and understood. And we, mm. when we checked out that night, we chatted about it. Um, That's so yeah. So like mm. there's, there's that, but then there's also 
of realizing, I think this is where my epic war battle thing comes up. Like there are people that you may will work with, but then you will not work with them again, or you may need to shed that person from yourself. And that is okay. Mm. And if you don't surround yourself with the most positivity that you can, and you allow yourself to kind of dredge down by other folks, usually unintentionally putting stuff on you, um, that's not going to help your personal goal and aspiration too. And it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't need to be nasty, like shunning those folks from your life, Mm -hmm. but realizing you don't need to take time to put energy into them, especially if they're not putting energy into you too. Mm, and like, that is totally okay. Yeah. Um, cause also personally like holding grudges, I think is si- like silly. And if the person has done something detrimentally horrible to you, mm. like physically, sexually, emotionally, absolutely. Mm. You do not owe that person anything. Goodbye. Right. But if it's something that, you know, this person's going to come up in your spheres or, you know, politely decline or, mm. Let them know how you're feeling. Yeah. And then you're, it's okay to walk away. Yeah. And I'm saying this now and I still need to like Mm, take a dose of my own medicine. Same. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's hard. It's hard being, um, I I sometimes say, you know, I'm like the girl in Mean Girls. It's like, (laughs) I just have a lot of feelings. Yes. So like, that universal hug but there's moments that literally it's like no I put my foot down and the Renera in me comes out yes you know? and like that is okay yeah like I, I'm realizing that as well because I feel I feel bad if I put up any boundary with someone like deep right. down I'm like I've, I've tore up a bridge between this person and I I've created a, a tension point like yeah. It sucks. It's bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. Right. Mm-hmm. All of those, like, it all comes back to me. Yep. Which is a problem that I have because I'm like always thinking about me, but it's a two way street. It and is. so I have to remember that, like, even if this person is sh- like shooting arrows at me or like literally mm-hmm. like <laughs> in Vernira's <laughs> setting, like wanting to kill my son or whatever, yeah, like, yeah. I have to remember that, like, it isn't about me at that moment. Yep. And putting up a boundary and saying, like, Thank you so much, but no. Yep. Is okay. Totally. For all. Mm-hmm. For everyone. For yep. the whole space. Yeah. But it's it's so difficult to know when to make that call in a professional setting, you know, because you have to finish a thing with a group of people or, you know, if you end up seeing them again later yeah. on, you know, like, yeah, like there are people that I don't want, don't wish to work with again, right. but at the right. end of the day... People change. Yeah, maybe there's, absolutely, yeah. you know, a couple of months later, there's a new relationship yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody yeah. makes mistakes. Totally. And that is okay. Again, unless there, if there was no detrimental damage done in your relationship with a person, then I, I, I'd like to believe that things will be copable. May not be what you, yes. like you said, like you want to work towards or want right. to work with that person again. Mm-hmm. But, like, especially in this industry, like, people interaction and projects are, like, revolving doors. Yeah. And it's a small community in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Like, holy moly. And I've also gotten to a point where if I may have been in a situation or if I've said something kind of alluding to someone or something and I know I'm working with that person or that friend, I will just straight up be like, oh, my gosh, this happened that one time with this person. I haven't connected with them in a while. Or, like, I just saw them recently. And But it's, like, I'll just be upfront about, yep. like, let's just clear any right. air. Let's get stuff on the table. Absolutely. Instead of sweeping we're, it. We're starting with, yeah. like, a blank canvas, yes. you know, as much as we can. And it is hard. It's hard to do. And, and it's hard to, again, it's, it's just, it's another, the craft makes us be so vulnerable at the work we do. But also, right. like, you have to be as vulnerable as a human being. Yes. At the same time. At the end of the day, we are human. So you are exhausted and you're like, you feel raw and naked sometimes at the end of the day. Because you're like, holy cow, I just had to put myself on blast Mm. in so many shapes and forms, you know? I want to pivot a little bit to like your work as an actor and like being vulnerable and, Mm -hmm. and, and taking on characters that, you know, could be coming from a dramatic place or could be coming from uh, a very superficial place like Mm -hmm. that, just that the scope of emotions that, you know, yeah. goes into being an actor. 
And then being in a space with other actors, like mm-hmm. what is what is that process like for you, like to be able to be naked and vulnerable and yeah. raw? And like, does it start right from the text? Does it start mm-hmm. from images? Does it start from Pinterest? Like, where yeah, is yeah, yeah. where's that start for you? Um, so I love this question. There's like so many. I'm like, oh, what is my process? <laughs> um, so I we I've always been. I'm gonna take it back to like even like grade school, high school Great. years. Um, yeah. I I was a kid. I was a keener, as mm-hmm. they say. Um, I like strived to get 90s and everything, and I did in grade school and high school. I loved learning. Mm-hmm. I loved every subject. I was good at every subject. Um, math, I was. It was one of the highest grades. But I look back and it's like, I think it's because I was really good at memorizing formulas and then just placing them into a situation. Because <laughs> physics and I, yeah. we had we had a we had a hate relationship. Uh, I wouldn't even say love hate. I made myself like four hours a night yeah. study so mm-hmm. that I could get that 90 in physics. And I got it. Yes. But you know. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, so I just love I love learning and um even going beyond just what the you know required reading or textbook is. And I also love people and connection with others. And I'm very extroverted. Um, I love deal. I love working with kids. I love working with um, older folks as well. I love I love working with adults too. But sometimes I prefer the other ends of the uh, the spectrum. Totally. Um, I just yeah. I love I love humans and um, learning. And so I think when it comes to so the main reason why I chose to, to become an artist, become mm-hmm. an actor is because I knew I would be surrounded by humans all the time and telling storytelling mm. all the time, which I think is so important, even art aside, just as human beings to storytell amongst yeah. others. And especially in the digitized and technological world we live in, that's not in the front of everybody's mind. Right. You know, you can go and case in point with this pandemic, you can go days with just being alone with yourself in an isolated room. Mm. So I love community. Yeah. Also, I lo- I'm someone who I love organizing, organization and routine, but I don't ever want it to be static. I want it to be changing organization right. and routine. Mm. So I knew I, I would not be happy in a nine to five day job sort of situation. Um, and so I was like, okay, the arts, like acting and singing, um, and dancing now. I'm, I'm, this is a relationship I have with myself. I'm like, I can move, but it's taken me a lot to like realize that I can. Um, I, that's a whole other. You know my philosophy. Everyone is a dancer. Everyone is a mover. So yeah. you could definitely put that on your bio. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I'm like blushing, I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, uh, sorry, this is like really cracking open. Um, mm, take your time. Going into the arts, being an actor, being a singer. It was just, it was, I knew it was something I've been doing since I was a kid. So I, I knew I had the talent per se, um, cause throughout my whole life, like people would be like, do you know Jillian Robinson? Oh yeah. She's the good singer. Like that was just the trope that, that I category. got. Yeah. yeah. And, and me being smart. And I, I say this with humility, like I, I realized I was a good singer. Like, so it was kind of like, Hmm, I got to the end of high school and I was like, I could go into sciences mm. and become a doctor like my dad is a retired general practitioner and my mom's a pharmacist so there was okay. this, I grew up in a sciencey household too right or I could go into the arts and play a doctor or play a lawyer or play so it was also like Infinite I didn't know what I yeah. wanted to do because yeah. I had so many doors oh fortunately had so many doors open to me gotcha but I was like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna pursue my dreams. I wouldn't even say necessarily <laughs> like acting or whatever was my dream. Um, oh, I love the irony in which you said but that. But like, I want to, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to try this thing because yes. I also, and, and I'm, I'm so glad I did because yeah. I see, like I said, I've said this earlier, like the arts is such a way into humanity that until you're an adult, you don't realize is stripped from you mm. in a lot of situations. Yes. Um, and so the fact that I can be in a space with other collaborative humans uplifting a story and a piece to then be in another space with an audience observing and then the audience and the practitioners on stage are sharing a space and conversation. And then that can be tied with a bow in like question and answer sessions and uh, and yeah, and like talkbacks. And so I think going back to the root of the question, <laughs> the process for me, I think regardless of what 
character I'm playing, whether it's like a clown TYA character or um, this past summer I played Olivia in Twelfth Night, so Shakespeare, but it was uh, Gravenhurst specific uh, and took place post World War One in Gravenhurst. Gravenhurst, so, Ontario. Gravenhurst, Ontario. Cool. Yeah. So Olivia, it was with Autumn Smith and Timberbees Productions. Okay. Uh, shout out, fabulous shout company, out. amazing human. Um, she, uh, so Autumn's adaptation was Olivia was a suffragette and a lumber mill owner. So mm-hmm. she inherits her dad's lumber mill because he perishes in the war and so does his brother. Right. So she's coming into the space having just lost both of those um, family members and then having to take on a lumber mill as a female mm. in Gravenhurst, Ontario, and also is a, like a budding suffragette. Mm. So a very weighted kind of period specific emotional um, carriage to bring into that. And then we'll talk about it too. The, the character I'm about to play is like the spastic MC clown character. Um, <laughs> buttons, right? Yeah, buttons. Yeah. Love that name. So, so at the end of the day, it's like, I think the process with whatever character type of character I'm playing, I always research first. So especially if it's if it's um, period specific or site specific, I delve into this is where the the like textbook nerd in me gets to shine. Um, I yeah, I ask myself questions. It's basically like uh, I do dramaturgical work basically because I love dramaturgy and um, cool. It's to me so important in a space. And so for something like Olivia and Twelfth Night, I was able to, yeah, research Gravenhurst in the 1920s and research, ask myself questions like, you know, uh, Toronto probably would have been the biggest hub where like suffragette movement stuff was happening and how, how affiliated with, with Toronto was my Olivia and, right. you know, shipments for, for lumber or whatever. Like I started asking these sort of like world questions, but so also like yeah. practical questions yeah. um, and getting to know the area and the space. We actually performed it right on the Gravenhurst wharf, which had Lake Muskoka behind us, oh. steamships and the old um, train station. So you're right there. So we were immersed too. Yeah. yeah. How could you not do all this research? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then with a character like Buttons, who we'll get into this clown uh, panto character I'm about to play. I, I, I kind of, it's funny, my research methods change too. So like that, it's, I get a feel of what my role has to be for the piece. Mm -hmm. And then I delve into what side of me has to be in the forefront, which I'll get into in a second. And like, what can I pull from? So the fact that I was a magical uh sort of imagination force for my niece and nephew who I nannied over the pandemic and that high energy um, and and sporadic spunk kind of thing. That's kind of research I'm doing is pulling from those days and Mm -hmm. infusing that in the character. Mm -hmm. Um, Take what you know already. Exactly. Real life situation. Yeah. And and at the end of the day too, even with a, a role like Olivia where there's a lot of sort of outside research that can be done, at the end of the day, when it comes to emotional choices and emotional experiences for those characters, I pull from myself mm. and endow that however it can see fit. And touch wood, I have a brother and a father, and both of them are still living. Mm. Um, and I'm close with both of them, too. So, you know, when Olivia loses her um, family members at the top, I can't relate to that. But I have lost my grandparents. Or I right. have... Um, and if I don't want to go that deep too, like I have lost, uh, an opportunity or something. Right. And then it's layering stuff on that. So, so I guess, yeah, role specific, what is my kind of job for the project Mm. is like external research, Mm. either in textbooks online or like of past experiences, but emotional process I always make it my own Yeah. to the point where, you know, people are like, oh, uh, I did a production of Legally Blonde with Hard House a couple of years ago. And, and so many people were watching the, the I think it was 2014 MTV live thing. Yes, with and Laura Bell like, Bundy and yeah, Christian Borrell. Like, we yeah, we watched it, we watched it. Have you seen it? I was like, yeah. no, I've never seen it. And yeah. some folks were like, oh my gosh, you have to go watch it. You have to watch it. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. Do you? Until yeah, do you have to watch I'm it? I'm outside of the project yeah. because I don't. I don't want to mimic what else is happening Completely. or going on. I get that. Um, and I, I was an ensemble track for that, but the judge was like one of my mm. things. And um, yes. it was well received in the rehearsal space and yeah. the director and choreographer liked what was going on. And so I 
I know I'm a person that can be swayed very easily by mimicking other things. Yes. So I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. Similarly with like Twelfth Night, like I think as a cast, we watched She's the Man one night because that's like a a subtle adaptation of it. And then I I sifted through the original um, text and then I just went straight to the adaptation and just cracked it open that way. I didn't yeah. research like what were all the other Olivia because I knew this Olivia was very different too. Yes, what, and Canadian. Yes. Canadian totally and hard nosed yeah. too. Like a lot of, you know, Olivia is usually the sort of flouncy foil to what is going on um more groundedly with um Orsino and Viola, right? Right. But whereas it was the opposite. Like this Olivia was like, had to be kind of the most grounded force when we're in a space. Yes. So any sort of external research would have done, done disservice mm. to that process. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's dependent on the project. Dependent on the project. Completely, and so, yeah. and so with this too, mm-hmm. with musicals, yeah. um, again, depend on the project. Cause I read sheet music. Um, yeah. I wanted to and, talk about singing as yeah, well. Yeah. And I can great. play, I can basically accompany myself on piano like basic level uh with chords basically that's the extent but I can (laughs) pluck out and and notes and rhythm and stuff I'm 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 uh decent at as well but it yeah it does depend on the project um Mm. because I was a part of I'm originally from Windsor so I was a part of the Windsor Light Music Theater Youth Choir um as was Noah Beamer and Daniel Wade these are names that folks might know either in the a Canadian or Broadway sphere. Uh, we were Shout all out. little choir, choir Love. kids together. Humble beginnings. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and shout out to both of them too. Love them so much. Um, and our music teacher had us just, uh, we just worked via libretto. Basically. Um, we had just, um, lyrics on a page and then we had to listen to what our part was as mm. she played. And I learned this, it's one of those things, like, if anyone saw my sheet of, or my lyric page, they'd be like, what the heck? Um, I would tick up or down, like, what the pitches were. Mm. And, like, yep. if it would rise here and then fall, or, like, a weird fall and a big fall. So, <laughs> at the end of it, it looked like a heart monitor yeah, yeah. on my lyric page. I know exactly what you mean. But I that's how... That. Yeah. And I didn't even think, as, like, an eight-year-old, to ask, like, why don't we have sheet music? Because right. I was still kind of learning that aspect of the craft, too. Totally. It just Which was kind like of a, a normal language thing. in itself. Yeah. Like notes and the... You know, um, like trouble clef and exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then as I started doing other musicals too, and having the score or libretto was an option, and I was learning how to read notation, I would choose the score more. Um, mm. But then as I grew up and started doing projects where it was maybe more like devised musical theater or like. Um, you had the option of both, or is it a musical that I've listened to a lot as a kid? And I relatively know what it, the vibe is. Mm-hmm. I might go more libretto than notation, right. or like something like Legally Blonde, where those songs were in my head, but I'm now an ensemble track. I have to go score mm-hmm. versus lyric because the lyric's going to do jack shit for me. Absolutely. Um, and That's so, so interesting. It, yeah. Yeah. With musicals, mm-hmm. it it just depends on what is the process. Um, what's my experience with the music? And sometimes it's a hybrid. Sometimes I use both. Mm. Um, and sometimes I use just one. This past summer. In Calgary Fringe, uh, my friends Katie Miller and Steve John Dale, they uh, wrote an original musical called Flash, which we performed at the Fringe. That was, I had to do the music score because it was some of the hardest music I've ever had to learn, like props to both of them. Um, And it was such a beautiful piece too. Um, So I had to sit with my keyboard and plunk out. But then as we got it up on its feet, I actually had to write out the lyrics in like a lyric notebook. Mm. I had a lyric notebook sometimes. And then that's kind of where that switch happened. Right. Um, and it also depends on what my partial photographic memory wants of me in <laughs> a certain project. Let, let, let's circle back here. Yeah. So, so, okay. <laughs> it's a lot. You were telling me before. So you can literally like look at... Uh, sheet music, you can look at a piece of text. Yes. And photographically, partially. Yeah. Memorize. Well, yeah. And, and you said too, you were also great at like memorizing math formulas. Like, yes. that goes back to something like you discovered like in high school. Yeah. And, but I, I, I think it's retrospectively, I was like, oh, now that I'm needing to memorize so many things in like the career path I've chosen, that's right. probably why I was so good at math. It's because uh, I, I can remember even like certain formulas that my grade 11 math teacher had written were in like a uh, red marker. Mm. Like I'll remember 
that. That color, yeah. Why that needs to be packed in my brain still to this day, can't tell you. <laughs> where do you um, <laughs> where do you control alt delete stuff? Like, how do you like know that like I don't need this and like because I imagine yeah. that that would be like an information overload, which I think yeah. you've also spoken to like where it can be detrimental mm-hmm. to your process and like hold you back. Yeah. I how do you know when to brush away? And honestly, delete? it goes away. Like Good. so. The thing is, but it's kind of like weird. It doesn't um, like keep you up at night or like. No, like I could not tell you a single, I could not do a single one of Olivia's monologues from front to finish accurately right now. Right now. Because okay. that was in the summer and mm-hmm. that was July and August and we, it was a quick turnaround of putting that show up. And I, my photo, I guess this is where maybe I do have more reins than I think on my photographic memory because if it's go time, baby, mm-hmm. I can like, bam, let's activate this. Um, like a super photographic fan. memory, a literal magician. Basically, <laughs> like I can remember which monologues where they were on the page. Okay. Like one of the monologues, I can't tell you any of the information, but I know it was like at the bottom of probably like page five. Wow. There's a block of text that I once knew all the words, <laughs> but I can't tell you any of them now. Yeah, but yeah, in but that you moment, know, it was the like visually okay. Where it is. As yeah. we flip through the page and even learning this the upcoming this buttons so character, um, I know like what color I've written things in. So if I need to remember things, yeah. I'll be like, okay, I wrote entrances and exits in blue and I wrote what props I need in red. Um, so if I'm on stage and I have a freak out moment of like, oh my God, I can literally picture the score or the script in my head and no. Which is decent for when I feel like I'm going to forget my lyrics or what have you. But as this was also a skill I had to develop too, like singing is storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until university that I kind of, instead of treating acting and singing as separate, I fused them together as they should always be. But I, again, I was always told like, she's a brilliant singer. And Mm -hmm. then I also loved to act. So I kind of treated them separately, even though I did musicals and they came together. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until uh, Denise Outrick, again, shout out, and Anthony Bastion, um, they were my um, music teachers in uh, the program I went to. And Mm -hmm. so they were the ones that were like, we did the exercises of see this, this lyric as a monologue. That was Mm. so hard for me right? because it's like, I knew I was singing and cracking open something, but I, I also knew I wasn't fully devoting my storytelling skills Mm. to a song. Mm. And so when I'm singing a solo song now, I'll be picturing the musical score but then I can't picture it too much because if I do that, then it's literally black and white because right. I'm picturing a black and white music staff. Yeah, you get out of the layers. And of, you have to delve yeah. into, you know, um, the, the, yeah, the compassion and the passion and why this, why now, and the storytelling. Yeah. But then if I go there too much, it sometimes I forget the I lyrics. Forget. Oh, and my goodness. So it's finding yeah. this synthesis um, yeah. that it's, it's, it's different every day. It's also... Yeah. Uh, real talk to dependent on like where I am hormonally. Yep. It fogs our brains. <laughs> there sometimes that, alignment. that I'm like the fact that I'm functioning right now <laughs> is great. You know, your main job is to be a vehicle for the process. So that is honoring the director's text. That's right. honoring the director's choices and, mm-hmm. and the collective's choices too. Yeah. Build, also, build up those barriers and then break them if you want. Yes. Yeah, and, totally. and, and then, yeah, build in those containers yes. basically. Um, but then, yeah, you get, you, you're kind of placed in a spot of each moment in a piece, you know, if you're doing a, cor- a group choreo piece, at least like for me in like a musical, it mm-hmm. is the most important that a synthesis is happening with everyone, especially if it's a group number. So choreography is the main name of the game mm. and everything else is like frosting and sprinkles on top of the choreo. Yes. Whereas if you have a two-hander where you've kind of blocked relatively where bodies are going, but it's just acting, it's just text, the acting and the emotion, that is the cake mm. and everything else that happens is the icing and the sprinkles. Oh, I love so that. So it's figuring out, I'm, like I really want cake now that I'm saying it. It's like we're hungry, um, yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah. It's not all, it's not the same for every piece. Right. It's not the same for every moment within one piece. Completely. And it's, that to me is also like the homework to do what outside of the room after like a day of rehearsal mm. is splicing out, you know, what is my quote unquote role? Obviously like, you know what you're casting hopefully at this point, but, but my in the space, role in, yeah. um, 
in the collective piece. Yeah. And no roles are small roles. I mm. like every person on that stage, backstage, behind the table, mm-hmm. it, we're all there to it's make a, a thing happen. Completely. Um, like if I'm tree number three, I freaking love that I'm tree number three. I'm the like, third tree. Let's that, do this. Seriously. Yeah, totally, like totally. I'm blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> throwing down my acorns. What kind of leaves do I have? Am I oak? Am yes. I, yeah, yeah, totally, and, totally. And so, and, yeah. but it's, it's coming from that mentality too. That's a little bit of a side tangent. But even in, in school, um, the training I did, I went to theater and drama studies uh, program at University of Toronto and uh, Sheridan College. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my time there. Um, and again, being an academic, I loved having the U of T theoretical side and the shared and practical side of the craft and kind of them running parallel and assisting each other. Mm, Um, but the roles I got in, in my senior years, uh, some of them weren't my first choice or, uh, what I kind of thought I, the effort I gave in the room, I, what I kind of thought I quote unquote deserved. Mm. But then once I was in the space or like in those roles, I realized I was the only one to be able to play that role or that piece or that. Casting was. Yes. It was like, well done. Everybody in the room, we all fit where we had to fit Mm. to augment the piece. Mm. And that's when success happens. That is when success happens. Right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, and I was never, I was never like known to be uh, like a diva as a kid either. So it wasn't really like, oh, I'm not getting a lead, but it was kind of like, okay, I feel a bit second option-y. Uh, but then once again, once I'm always in a process, it's like, oh no, this is, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm. Um, Making peace with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I kind of again, like uh, society and, and the spaces we find ourselves in, like don't, and the, even the, the training facilities don't kind of teach that from the mm. very beginning of like every role is important. There are no small roles yes, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's what you make of it. It's what you put into it. It's what you, um, and it's not, it doesn't, you know, impede future projects. Cause like I've graduated 2018, I've been working consistently since. So it's not like, because I got mm-hmm. what I saw in the moment, a short end of the stick, that's going to, Oh, instantly I'm not going to be cast as anything when I graduate. Um, but it's a learned thing and it's something that you have to learn education aside. Um, you, you have to kind of learn outside of education. There's a lot yes. of things we can learn and should learn outside of the education system. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that like brings on a longevity of a career, you yeah. know, because you're, you're really able to like, from what I'm hearing, you're able to take a project in that moment, do what you can for it yep. and then move on. Yes. And like, know that like you did what you could. Yes. And it's not, you know, it maybe won't be like the best thing you ever do, but that's okay because yeah. now there's a new thing that yes. I can do and like learn from it. It's like a safety thing for me too. Like I don't ever want the arts, the career um, in the arts to become a chore. I don't want it to ever feel overwhelming. So I spend my time, we get talked about this on the cup too, binge watching reality TV every once in a while. Right. That helps you to unwind. Yeah. Having a hobby. It's hard in this industry of like, oh, are you up on what you know? Mm -hmm. Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know that? And it's kind of hard to not feel overwhelmed and be like, oh my gosh, should I be knowing that? But it's like, no, I think my body just like, I do a piece and I do it well and I'm in it and I'm focused and I'm being an open scene partner and I'm discovering through the character and I'm discovering through self while doing this process. But then once it's done, it's moving on and it's, you're taking stuff from there and you're taking, you're taking um, maybe growth that you've experienced as the artist or whatever with that. But if you don't remember how act two, scene three's choral song goes, who the fuck cares? <laughs> like, it's Move like, on. Yeah. you're done with that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to pivot a little bit to a uh, couple of Hemlock Theater. Yeah. Because you had mentioned it. Mm-hmm. I think that from what I've watched and consumed of your content there, you know, it takes like a well-rounded person to be able to talk about art and to talk about art in a critical way and, and have discussion about it and have a curiosity for others who do yeah. it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, like, I just, I, I really enjoy what the, the content that you make there. Um, you have reviews, you have interviews, you have in-depth conversations, you even have readings sometimes too, which is so cool. Um, I was reading that like the entire team like aims to foster community, creativity, and critical discussion. Yeah. Ooh, like three huge pillars of like, well, how we can bring the arts forward. Absolutely. Um, how did it get started? Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of was like the last member to kind of trickle on. Um, so it started, uh, the company was originally erected uh, by Edmund Clark um, and William Bartley, and, and it was supposed to be um, a, uh, a theater company, Cup okay. of Hemlock Theater, and actually do shows in person. Um, yeah. And so that ha- they kind of got together uh, with Ryan Barakovich, um, Mackenzie Horner, and, and Christian uh, Teatro this was like the main squad. And then I joined them. Um, once the doors kind of closed in the pandemic, we didn't want to, to have this flame die out of this company, but obviously like the doors were closed. So we kind of started, um, spitballing and, and, you know, when stuff opens again, when we were at the beginning of the pandemic, we're like, oh, this is going to be over in a month. It's fine. (laughs) You know, what can we do? So um, as a team, we kind of worked through that. But then as we started realizing the doors aren't opening anytime soon, um, I think it was Mackenzie that was the first one of like, well, let's give some sort of content. And at that time, Stratford had released their Stratfest at home pieces. Um, And again, I am a dramaturgical nerd and I was really missing, especially coming off of Heart House. I did three shows with them that season and I uh, had ensemble musical roles. So they weren't as sort of like textually, cranially chewy. Mm. So at that point in my career, I was kind of like really hungry for dense stuff to chew into. Um, And so when Mackenzie proposed this, I was totally on board because I also missed that part of my academic side of my training. Right, being in conversation about Reading it. a play and unpacking it and yeah. what's the history of it and what are we seeing on so stages fun. and whatever. And so, yeah, so we, we created panels where um, we would provide the link to watch the show and it would be like me and sometimes Ryan and, and Mackenzie would be on the panel too or we would get guests um, and we would review Shakes like Stratford's Shakespeare stuff. And at that point, they were kind of like reviews. Like we would have a section where we would, you know, talk about the production elements, what worked or what didn't work, who was your favorite, what kind of didn't fall for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there would also be a breaking down the play for play sake section, basically. Cool. Um, talking about, and this is where Ryan um, Barakovich, who's also my partner, he's currently doing um, his PhD at U of T for performance theater and Drama. So the theoretical side is his like hub. Gotcha. Um, and so he, he was very vital in these sort of let's unpack the text from the page questions. Yeah. And so that kept us busy um, as Stratford kept pumping those out. And then um, it got to a point too, where just um, I, I was also craving community and talking with others. Mm. And it's a classic thing in like professional practice in training facilities where you know, our profs say networking is important and just, you know, if you want an interest in an artistic director or another performer, ask them out to coffee for yeah. an hour or what have you. And hard uh, to do that when you're in isolation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But me being an extrovert, I'm like, this is the time when I'd be like scheduling all the coffee dates. Right. But I was like, but what's stopping me from emailing them and then just jumping into a zoom room? Yeah. yeah so then that just kind of created the cup interviews. And then, so uh, Mackenzie, Ryan, and I were were quite um, like prime players in this sort of like let's let's curate digital content, and then um, the other the other members who um, the OG members of the cup, what have you, just sort of pivoted and trickled mm. away from the company. Um, oh, wow. okay. And so yeah, so Mackenzie and Ryan and I have kind of now committed ourselves to this space being what I've just described, like a, a place where we're, you know, uh, quote unquote, reviewing work, uh, doing interviews with uh, artists, having roundtable discussions. Um, I love it. And again, I say reviewing, we are not theater critics. I'm going to say that again. We are not theater critics. We um, are putting ourselves forward as theater enthusiasts. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I just jump Absolutely. on that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's 
absolutely okay to be a critic of theater. Yeah. To critique theater, mm -hmm. I should say. Um, because if we're not talking about what we're consuming and making, yeah. then it just floats away. Yeah. So, and yes, like, it's all peppered for me, too. Like, yeah. when I talk about art, it's all peppered with, I just love this thing. Yes. I love that people are making stuff, yeah. and I get to watch it. It is okay to critically discuss what we're doing, because... Yeah. And in my eyes, it's not that like, I'm trying to like make those artists feel bad yeah. about what they did. I'm just trying to say like, oh, that was a thing that you did. Can I, can we can we unpack that? Yeah, yeah, can yeah. Can we realize exactly. that like it could go somewhere else? Sure. Or in that moment, this was awesome, but maybe it wouldn't work in the yeah. next moment. Yeah. Um. So that's why like I when we met, mm -hmm. um, faithfully at um a groom night back in April, I was like, huh. You, you, yes. you like to do that too? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's such important work yeah. as artists to yeah. not just be doing things and making things and then running away from them. Absolutely. So well, I just love what you do. Yeah. And, and art is so subjective too, right? Exactly. And, and I am, this is again, the mama bear coming out in me of like, we're all coming back from a global pandemic. We're still in a global pandemic. Yes, we are. And we're all getting our footing again so in maybe the same role you were playing in the industry before the pandemic maybe you've put on a whole nother hat and you're now in that role yeah. everyone is trying to figure stuff out still exactly yes are people making mistakes and sometimes being assholes about it sure mm -hmm. but we're still kind of getting our footing completely and i am of the notion like there's going to be enough reviews quote-unquote that are going to like shit on a, a lighting choice or like <laughs> the way they say it like yeah. I, it kind of just comes with how I grew up my parents would always say if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all and I think theater critic has the connotation now of like Negative. oh you're a theater critic yeah you're yeah. gonna come and needle nose my work right, and get right. in there and and be an asshole right. whereas like what how you just said it critical analysis and that's why I think, unfortunately, I mean, I guess unfortunately, because I think it's a dope term, like we've, in, we now have like theater enthusiast is like our main title because yeah, we get in, we get into, a, into the space to talk about the work and there might be things that don't land for another person, hmm. but then we talk about it and we unpack, we don't say, well, that was shitty. Yeah. And then, and then just close it up. Is, yeah, exactly. And also realizing like some pieces aren't for you demographically, oh, big one. age wise, yeah. uh, race wise, like, yes. and that should never be the reason why you're reviewing something either. Um, it's just literally you watched a piece of art and it's, and Ryan says it beautifully. It's, it's, it's an extension of the, what we used to do and what we were hoping to do now that things are open again. But when you go out for drinks with a friend after seeing a show Completely. and you're just sipping on a coffee or a beverage yeah. and you're, you know, um, diffusing from what you just saw and, sh and bumping thoughts and conversations off each other. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting companies, uh, in the city to ask us to come as like press basically that's how we got involved Fantastic. with grim night yeah um and that's so, so two of the three of us go and we watch the piece and then we jump into zoom discussion and we talk about it and what's lovely about that is um again we try our best if there's like a copy of the actual script of the piece we're going to see too um especially ryan is really good about this because that's kind of his land uh we'll read that script too so that when we're talking about production we saw we can also talk about the theoretical from the page or like the origins of the prop production mm. um and we pepper that in too because then it's it's again i come from it as too uh being a brainiac artist i love the table read process Same. of any project yeah incredible um it's incredible yeah. work like Thank truly you. it is yeah. and like and, and it really is like it's important it's important for all three of us that um and I, i've always said this being of the three of us now who are kind of more in the practical sphere of like it is so important for us to support each other and that is like a universal each other mm. and because you're always if you're always in community and you're always exchanging knowledge and learning and pivoting um, everybody is going to be more successful in the veins that they choose to go down, right? Yes, community. 
So, um, so thank, thank, it feels like I'm, I'm so grateful to hear that, that you, you feel that way. And oh that yeah. I resonate that is, with it. That is oh, kind of the gosh. vibe that's, that's going forth. It can change and it can be like yeah. so many different things, which yeah. I love. That's yeah. so cool. Absolutely. Well, definitely sub- go subscribe on YouTube, um, because it, there's so much content and so much to dive into. Um, and then just before we, we have to close up real yeah, soon, but you're at a show. You're going to be in a show. Yes. So November 26th is yes. your first open, first performance. It's first performance. Um, yeah. the show is, is on right now, but, mm-hmm. um, people can catch you then. Yeah. So it's a Cinderella Panto that's happening at Witchwood Theater with TYT Theater. Um, the extension is happening from uh, November 26th to December 18th. And I am uh, stepping into one of the roles, like covering one of the roles, um, for the duration of the extension. So the role I'm stepping into is Buttons, and they are the MC clown mm. kind of character, best friend to Cinderella. Um, earlier in the year, I did a Rapunzel panto with the same company. I played Rapunzel, and the Buttons character's name was Pockets. Okay. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love these same, names. Same kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's an original panto uh, created by Evan Harkai and Thea Fitzjames. Um, they grew up in a small town in Quebec where, like, pantos were a really vital Super, part of their childhood. Yeah, clown and community so, there, yeah. Yeah, and so they're bringing it uh, to the city, and Rapunzel went awesome, and then Buttons, uh, or Cinderella and me coming into Buttons, I'm so excited to kind of jump into that uh, archetype of the panto world. Yeah, so it's it's you, this character, like I will be the direct liaison between audience and story. Um, and it's actually my responsibility to encourage them to do callbacks and boo the baddies. Ooh, fun. And um, yeah, play games with me. It, it's like the, the fourth wall does not exist for love this character at all. That. And that's, I love that too. And, and it's so funny. It's like most of the roles I've gotten post theater school has been these like, Audience interactive, break the fourth wall. It's so juicy. We're here. It's great. Um, Yeah, so. Fantastic. My friend uh, Mackenzie Kelly, who just played the role too, uh, she's a phenomenal artist and uh, she's she's given me such inspiration for the role too. She's uh, playing buttons with such a a zany, like, almost like kid life vivacious mm. energy um and it's hilariously perceived by the characters on stage and in the audience so I'm, I'm definitely coming into the process with a lot of her vibes inspiring Amazing. what I uh what I bring forth um but I'm also excited to uh infuse a little I, I played Maureen and Rent earlier in the year and I'm kind of gonna infuse a little bit of the rebellious you know, bring some over the moon back. stuff. Yeah, fight oh. back energy too. Cyberland. Peppered in, peppered oh. into the like quirkiness. So um, So Fun. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be ex- an exciting kind of final character to round out the year with. Yay! Uh, and I love working with kids and with TYA. Again, uh, I was telling Bree prior to this recording, I've I've kind of found myself in a lot of TYA uh, companies and productions post graduation yeah. and. Um, that didn't shock me knowing that I, I love working with kids and I think it's so important, um, to bring the arts to youth, but it, it's, I am finding more and more like TYA is, is kind of popping up on a niche of mine, I guess per yeah. se. And, and I love it. I think it's so much fun. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm excited to dive in and try out what it is to, you know, cover, take over a role, but this is also the first time I'm going to be experiencing that whole way of, of a process. And it's just fun. It's so fun to see. I I caught a couple of little shows too, to see everybody in a theater space, just like realize this is a show where it's raucous and hilarious Mm. and just funny. And, um, the stakes are, you know, they're not massive emotional stakes, but the whole point is it's like slapstick. It's great. Elvin and Costello. It's, you know, Panto also pulls from Commedia dell'arte. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many, um, things that the kids are loving it and the parents are loving it too. Uh, so people should get tickets then. Yeah. It sounds like a fun time. Yes. Ticket link will be below. Um, Jill, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to just word vomit my soul and experience. Anytime. (laughs) Thanks for letting me do that on the cuff, which you can also check out. No, and what you are doing with Art for Stations, like uh, to send that love right back, like it is so important uh, that something like this exists. Um, Your platform, uh, please, yeah, keep doing what you're doing as Mm. well. 
It is so important. And we'll do a little check-in, you know, yeah, in a year or so and see where we're at. Of course. Amazing. Let's do it. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah. So uh, people can find, uh, follow my artist Instagram account. It's Jillian.Robinson96. Um, and there'll be show information posted there, covers of songs. Yes. Keep up with however you'd like. You did a wonderful cover of Landslide recently. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's fun. Is there anything else you want to plug besides Cup of Hemlock? Oh, and just uh, like anyone who's listening, like be kind to yourself, yes. be kind to others. Uh, do things that make you feel uncomfortable to a certain degree, but like, you know, um, get out there, reach out there, um, or just sip a cup of tea, you know, and watch a movie. Like whatever In your you bed, need, checking off all of your tasks. Do yeah. what you need. Um, there's a lot of wrenches in the industry and in the world at large right now. And really just what do you need as a human and go from there with anything else. Amazing. That is my very, sage very sage advice. advice. <laughs> very sage. I need it. I need it. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Artversations podcast. Please help the podcast community continue to grow by clicking subscribe or follow on your podcast platform and leave a review. As well, follow the podcast on Instagram at ArtversationsPod. You'll find photos of the guests you just heard, plus highlights and quotes from each episode. Let's keep the Artversation going. Send in a DM with your thoughts about art and any questions you might have for guests. Special thank you goes out to Jen Marquez and Maxim Bartnowski for their contributions. And thank you, listener. Till next time.